Hello and welcome to Subject to Improvement, a podcast where we talk about the messy business of leadership and untangling life's messes. My name is Susanna Margison. I was a former trial lawyer for 10 years, but now I am a life and leadership coach, mainly for millennial and Gen Z leaders. But amongst other things, I help them untangle sticky situations. And usually there's a reputation management component to it, which I really love. So Today, I want to talk a little bit about why this podcast is called Subject to Improvement. And when I was trying to think about how to make this interesting, like without it being, you know, interesting, without it just being like, okay, fine, whatever, I started thinking a little bit about what Subject to Improvement actually meant to me. And one of the things that I realized, and I'm a little bit nervous to share this with you, but I'm going to trust you guys on this. So one of the things I realized was that recently I've been more productive and I've been way happier doing my work. And I've also been way more, um, my, my work quality has gotten so much better. And I couldn't really figure out exactly, I couldn't put my finger on what exactly had caused this. But when I started reflecting on this over the weekend in terms of how do I explain the name of this podcast to everybody, I realized that one of the reasons why I've been a little bit calmer recently and just feeling better is that I have begun to see the beauty in improvement as opposed to perfection. And I had accidentally, but I'm very happy about this, like pleasantly released myself from what I would call the grips of being a wannabe perfectionist. So There's a lot of people that talk about how to release yourself from perfectionism, and I am not professing to be the expert on this at all, but what I will say is that in a lot of my work, when I untangle sticky interpersonal situations with people, there's a mindset component. Like, you cannot escape it. If you are, you know, fighting a lawsuit, if you're negotiating, if you're managing a conflict, your mindset and managing your mindset is going to be absolutely critical. And so sometimes these shadows from our past like perfectionism will show up and will actually impact the way that we handle those situations. And so doing that work, doing that mindset work, not only is important, and I'm going to tell you why in a second, like important otherwise, but it can be super, super important when you're looking at handling these very, very tricky and often just um, dreadful situations, frankly, these really taxing situations. So I want to start by kind of going over the so what factor of all of this. Like, why should we give a shit about perfection? And especially if we're not people who identify as perfectionists, like, why does this matter to us? Okay, well, first things first, as leaders, it's very important to recognize that perfection is everywhere. And sometimes when people are struggling with perfection, it shows up in the workplace in slightly unhealthy ways. Like sometimes it shows up with people losing their shit when things aren't done, quote unquote, properly. Sometimes it shows up with people being super anxious and procrastinating. Other times it shows up with them not communicating with you if they're not going to meet a deadline. So perfectionism is really pervasive. And so And it's also like, it's a mindset that actually holds people back. Like it actually paralyzes some people from being able to work. So if you're a leader and there's this expectation of perfectionism on your team, you might actually be accidentally holding them back from doing or performing in the way that you want them to perform. The flip side of this is that ditching perfectionism is actually key to better outcomes, which is totally random. And I didn't accept that when I first read it. I thought, you've got to be out of your mind. I want to go, you know, shoot for the moon. And at least if you miss, you land, you land among the stars, right? 
but actually trying to approach things with a growth mindset or a mastery mindset has been shown to be more effective at getting people better results. So that was very interesting. The other thing, and I don't want to be dramatic about this, but I think it is really important to to emphasize that the emotional experience and the individual experience of perfectionism can be very damaging to people. It can be very dangerous and it can form the foundation of many, many mental health illnesses. Um, but also it can be something that is, it really shows up in a very serious way for some people. So uh, those are reasons why we should give a shit about perfectionism. And I think, and I'm going to extend this even further, but especially for our next generation, like I'm reading this book right now called The Alyssas. And it's a book about uh, teenagers who get sent uh, to camps or boarding schools in the troubled teen industry. It's very interesting. But one of the things they talk about is they talk about all the societal messages that are delivered to teen girls in particular, but I would say teenagers. And I can say that some of those societal messages probably played a role in some of my own perfectionism. So it's really cool to talk about this and share ideas about this because it is a cool way to undo or stop the cycle of some of that trauma that uh, we may have experienced growing up or that our parents may have experienced growing up. So when I talk about being a wannabe perfectionist, I am talking about the fact that I loved the idea of being perfect. But then when I wasn't perfect, which was most of the time, right? Because perfection is a lot of the time a subjective thing. So when I wasn't perfect, the shame I would feel in wanting to be perfect was awful, like just terrible. And I think a lot of us probably fall in this category where we are perfectionists, but we often don't reach perfection. And then when we don't, we feel so much shame that we're almost like we claim that we're perfectionists, but then we're not actually perfectionists. And then we feel like we're somehow posers, right? So you have the shame associated with not, not only not having reached the thing you wanted to do, but you also have the shame associated with being a bit of a poser. And so that can take a toll. And that is a problem also in the workplace, by the way, because that's when you get people over promising and under delivering, right? And then they sort of, they get themselves all tied in knots before they need to go give a presentation or argue a case. And, and that's a problem. So I think a lot of us are probably more failed perfectionists and maybe more so than we'd like to admit. So one of the things that really I think helped me with some of this stuff was investigating some of the thoughts that I had about perfectionism. And I came around to this idea that um, some, just because I think something doesn't mean it's true, I accepted that idea and I have anxiety. So that's like absolutely the case for me. Sometimes I think about things and it's super, super helpful to have my husband kind of check in with me and, and sort of do a bit of a risk audit for the situation because sometimes I will overreact or, and it's so comforting uh, obviously he does this like with my permission and consent, but it's so comforting to have him tell me that the situation isn't as terrible as he might think. So invest or as I might think. So investigating these thoughts are so key. So I want to offer you some thoughts to help you start that investigation process because that mindset work in and of itself is super, super valuable. So let's get started. Okay. One of the thoughts I've been playing with a little bit has been 
de-romanticizing perfectionism. So I used to think perfectionism was not only what I should be achieving, but that if I wasn't a perfectionist, somehow there was something wrong with me, right? Like my standards weren't as high as everybody else. And when you're a young lawyer, that is a fucking problem because in law, often we like to convince ourselves that we can be perfect. We often have God complexes to a certain degree. And so it's almost like if you weren't a perfectionist, then what the fuck was wrong with you, right? Like raise your standards. I am playing around with this idea of de-romanticizing that perfectionism and instead playing with another idea. And I felt like I fell into perfectionism honestly because I was watching a TV show about a young lawyer and they planted the idea in my head that a young lawyer who's one year out of training should be able to write a brief absolutely perfectly. And I can tell you that even as a lawyer who's 10 years out, most of the time they don't get it right the first time. Like, I don't think I've ever seen, even lawyers who are 25 years out, I've never seen them get a brief right the first time. But that show put the idea into my head that it should be possible. And then as a result, I lived with that for ages. And so I think if I had not been as obsessed with perfectionism or with the idea of it and kind of with the idea that perfection would bring me happiness and automatic success, I might have been able to call bullshit on that show a little bit sooner. Also, I might have listened a bit more when people told me routinely that it was okay to be a beginner and it was okay to have to learn things because in my head I just thought bullshit. That makes me at like that makes me at risk for being quote unquote weak, right? Like that makes me at risk for maybe losing my job or maybe losing people. Um, and you know, it sucks because the world can be really cruel to weakness. And so in my head, I was thinking, if I need to improve, if I need to get better, if I'm not really great or surpassing expectations and perfect, then that's weak. And that was not the best way for me to be thinking. So I started playing around with this idea of de-romanticizing it and instead looking for mastery, which in my mind is continued improvement. It's, you know, it's like continuously improving, continuously getting better and accepting the idea that that continuous improvement is not only okay, but it's actually something to be celebrated. And it's a quality that is attractive and people should look for because it means so much about your ability to be coached and your ability to learn and your ability to excel and soar. So that's one idea. The next idea that I played with was, it came down actually to this concept of perfection equaling worthy. So, you know, if I'm perfect, then I'll be worthy of the things I want. You know, I'll be worthy of the love I want, you know, not, not to, not to discount the love I got from my immediate family because they were very, very loving, but I wanted, you know, I wanted romantic love. And if I was perfect, then I would get that. Or, you know, if I was perfect, then I would get the job or I would get the promotion or, or what have you. And that meant that I was worthy of those things. It was okay for me to want those things because I was perfect and I somehow deserved them. And so I started playing with this idea recently about the subjectiveness of perfection. And for that matter, the myth of worthy is what I've kind of taken to calling it. And what I mean by that is that I spent a lot of time feeling like I had to wait until I was quote unquote worthy to achieve or do the things that I wanted to do. And the reality was once I got thinking about it, there's no independent standard most of the time for being worthy of the things that you want. And for that matter, you know, there's there's no independent standard for perfection for a lot of things that I was hoping to be perfect at. Like I was hoping to be the perfect lawyer. I was hoping to be 
uh, the perfect partner. Like I was hoping to, you know, be perfect at whatever I did. And the reality is, is that that, that, um, standard is so subjective and almost elusive. And so because I was beating myself up for not having reached it or not having attained it, I was setting myself up to remain stagnant. And I was kind of holding myself back from any kind of improvement. And so once I released the idea that there was this independent standard of worthiness, and I decided to adopt and play with the idea that everybody is inherently worthy of things like respect and everybody's inherently worthy of things like love and, you know, happiness and that there's no standard out there that you have to reach to get that, that really freed me up a little bit in terms of this whole like, oh, am am I good enough? Like, I'm not sure. And, And then sort of saying to myself, oh, well, in order to be good enough, I'll just be perfect. Like that really helped me free that up. And so I often thought about, you know, excellence doing the trick. I thought a lot about creating a situation where I was very, very open to feedback from my clients and people that interacted with me because I became obsessed with this idea that it was totally awesome to want to get better and keep on improving. And I began chasing excellence because in my head, excellence meant that I could, you know, it was like a range. It was a spectrum and I could continue to be excellent. And so that was something that really, really helped the other thing that I would ask myself was what the so what factor was if something wasn't absolutely perfect. You know, if there's a typo in one email, what's the so what factor? And recently I've been coming around to this idea that authenticity is awesome and that people trust you a lot more, ironically, if you're a little bit authentic, right? Like if they can see a little bit of their self, themselves in you and if they can be themselves around you and if they can relax around you. And so, you know, having one typo in an email doesn't make me a failed human being. It does mean, and I totally will attest to this, I'm not very good at proofreading using my computer. I usually like would rather print it out, but I'm trying to be all environmental, so I'm not doing that. So it might mean that I need to get someone else to read my emails and hopefully they'll catch it, but maybe they won't. But it doesn't mean anything about me as a person. Like it doesn't make me unworthy of doing something. It just means I've got a human brain and I'm human. And it also means that I am focusing more on the intent behind what I'm doing and hopefully delivering in a way that's helpful, even if there's a typo or even if there's a slight imperfection. The next thought I played with was the idea that there's beauty in learning. And for that matter, there's beauty in the recovery. And this totally fits, I think, with my general MO, like when my logical brain is paying attention and kind of showing up for work that day. Logically, I am a big believer in that people fuck up, but when they their recovery says a lot about how they are as people. So I'm going to put that in a separate way because that was a bit weird. But people mess up, but you can tell an awful lot about a person by how they behave once they've messed up, by how they come back from it. And I think it's so cool to see a great comeback story because it's such a mark of human strength to be willing to put yourself out there again, to be willing to make a comeback, to be willing to show up for the discomfort that is failure And then also saying, okay, I'm going to take what I can. I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to try again. And I think that is so cool. So I started playing with this idea of there's beauty in the recovery. There's beauty in the learning. I also reminded myself that everybody had to start somewhere, right? Everybody had to start somewhere. And being a beginner is also pretty cool. Like there's beauty in being a beginner because there's so much for you to learn and it's okay for you to be learning in the beginning. And it's, I think it's actually okay for you to be learning the whole way through, but being a beginner 
is something that everybody has to do and no one just arrives on this planet totally perfect at, at anything. You might arrive with some natural talent, but you might not be perfect at everything. And the thing is, is that you can grow and get better with just a little bit of practice and it's actually attainable. So I like to play with that idea. I also thought, and I wrote this down because I thought it was really important that it's, and this kind of came, I was inspired by this book, The Alyssa's that I'm reading, but one of the things that they talked about was sort of learning how to self-soothe when things don't go very well. And I think there's so much to be said for developing that resilience, for developing that confidence in yourself that if things go badly, you can figure it out and you can, you can come back from it. And it might not look the way you had intended, but you can still come back from it. And often this goes back to my, my general MO that life is happening for me and not necessarily to me. The last thought, oh, sorry, the second last thought I want to offer you, actually, I'm just going to combine them both because they're basically very, very similar. Mastery over perfection. I've already talked to you about that. And I love that idea of chasing mastery, you know, chasing that consistent improvement, just chasing that, uh, you know, consistently up-leveling and trying even more to serve others in my case, you know, trying even more to make sure that my product is the best it can possibly be and to keep innovating and keep improving. I think that's very cool. And it's a fun thing to talk about because it eliminates the shame of not being perfect. But the other thing is that everybody is subject to improvement, right? Like we all have ways in which we can improve. And the easiest way to embrace that is to remove the shame associated with not being perfect. And so once you remove the shame of not being good enough, even if you're saying like, I don't suffer with this, but I've got a team who's a bunch of perfectionists. Once you remove the shame of not being good enough, once you remove the shame of getting feedback that's needs improvement feedback, like once you flip that around and say, hey, you know what? Like this is really cool and I'm going to help you. I'm going to push you to be even better. And that is such an investment in you. Like you're going to be better off for this that's when it's a lot easier to motivate people to learn. And that's when it's a lot easier to motivate people to be honest when they have fucked up. So that, I think, is super, super powerful. The other thing I would say is that it can be very, very powerful and it can change your team's whole dynamic if you not only reward good outcomes, but if you also reward improvement. And if you reward somebody actually taking your feedback and actioning it. That to me is a skill that is undervalued still in our workplace. Often we look at the people who are the bright shining stars and we give them whatever they want even when they're assholes. That's a topic for another podcast. But we don't always acknowledge the person that's taking in the feedback and working and growing and getting better and better every single day. And what ends up happening is that those people might peter out or they end up kind of surprising you along the way and you're like, oh wow, this is amazing. But imagine what could happen if you actually rewarded that and encouraged that and encouraged people to get better. I really think that's how you get the sky being the limit in terms of great performance on your team. And for that matter, I think that's how the sky becomes the limit for life. Because once you release yourself from the mindfuck of perfectionism and the myth of worthy, the world really is your oyster. So thank you for listening. I hope you found this helpful. Let me know. And otherwise, have a really great week.